What's up, guys? My name's Caleb. And I'm Ben, and you are listening to Tribal Talk, a Survivor podcast. At the end of episode one of Edge of Extinction, we left Reem on the Edge of Extinction, and she looked pretty destitute out there. At the beginning of episode two, we picked up right where we left off there. She seemed to have some more tools, such as flint and a machete, but she still looked like she hadn't quite figured it out. What did you think, Ben? My gosh, she looked so lonely. At the very beginning, she hasn't been there for very long, but she was like literally crying, tears, And she talked about her main driving force, which is essentially not to disappoint her family. She's afraid of disappointing other people. And in terms of motivations, I feel like that's not a very strong one. I think that that's something you can talk yourself out of pretty quickly. You can say, I don't care what other people think. This is more difficult than anything I've ever had to do before. My my thinking is when I hear somebody you know, who's motivated about Survivor, wants to win. They're talking about the million dollars, right? She's not even thinking about the million dollars at this point. All she's thinking about is raising that sail. She's literally sitting by the sail, almost with her hands on the rope, just like, oh my gosh, dude. It's just depressing. It's It's hard to put myself in that position. But I still feel like if I were there, I would be thinking, I need to get back in this game. I still have a shot at a million dollars. I'm going to give it all I have. Her immediate motivation is to just not give up on a moment-by-moment basis. And I do think that this initial stint on the edge of extinction is going to prove to be the most difficult part because she is out there alone. Depending on who goes out to help her, Depending on what happens there, I think, will greatly impact whether she is or is not able to subsist out there. She does have the tools if she chooses to learn how to use them to live. One thing that I was disappointed to see is that she hadn't figured out how to make fire with a flint. If she has, they did not show it to us, and I think that is something that the producers would have yeah. edited in. Yeah. Secondly, it doesn't appear that she's been foraging with the majority of her time. Given her location, unless she's not allowed to leave that sandy area right there on the front it did look like there was a forested area behind her i would be surprised if there wasn't anything at all that she could forage so hopefully she can make it i think that she has the resolve in the moment to go forward but we'll have to see if she gets some help in the next episode you have to think too you know what was she doing before because she's only been out out there for what now six days and she spent most of her time grabbing other people's laundry and doing things with it. She wasn't the one foraging in her in her first camp. She hasn't learned how to survive, and she's just alone. Uh, so the Edge of Extinction, they show the, the sign. She actually reads it. It says, this is the Edge of Extinction. You'll have to work hard for everything. When fear or loneliness sets in, you must find the resolve to overcome. If at any point you wish to end your adventure, raise the sail and a boat will pick you up. There's still a lot that we don't know about the Edge of Extinction. We don't know whether the different survivors that are sent there are going to actually be existing together or separately somehow. We don't know whether there are going to be challenges. There's still a lot we don't know. Actually, let me let me put it to you in a question. What's your over-under on remaking it to episode 5? I think if she 
has someone out there with her, even someone as unable to help like Keith. I think that might give her a greater resolve because it will give her someone to work with and someone to work for. It seems to me that Reem exhibited a lot of qualities while misguided and misdirected that she wanted to care for other people. And I think that's why she moved their clothes. Yeah. So having Keith out there may give her something to do and give her a purpose in the short term that will allow her to keep going. I think if Keith goes out there on day six, I think she'll make it to episode five. You know what probably the most fascinating thing to me is about Survivor? It's how much we learn about these individuals' perception of themselves and how flawed that perception is. Like Reem said multiple times during Tribal and then during this episode that she didn't understand why people felt the way that they felt about her. She was just trying to be nice from her perspective and her perception of herself is that she's just a friendly, nice person. Everyone else thinks that she's a busybody, essentially. It's fascinating how different people's perceptions of themselves can be and survivor just brings it out really really well an interesting part about seeing reem out there too is that i think that she has been more able to accurately appraise herself out on the edge of extinction because they did show a small clip where she was saying why did i do it why did i react that way yeah and I think she had learned the reasons why she had been voted out. Yeah. So we'll be able to see her progress in the future, I think. Let's just have an open dialogue about Aubrey's actions in episode two. Oh my gosh. I thought it was so interesting that she said that she prefers to go to tribal first because it shows her where the lines are. And I thought that was very telling because Aubrey is a person who thrives off of an abundance of information. And I was thinking on her past two seasons, both of which I think she had a majority of the information most of the time. She made herself into a player that knew what was going on in multiple alliances at once. And I think back to her first big move when she orchestrated the blind side of Debbie in her first season. I was very glad to see Debbie go, and I was glad to see Aubrey really go for it in that moment. And she mm-hmm. hasn't really ever stopped playing since then, and I'm afraid yeah. that's going to be her downfall here. She is so desperate for the information. She went to every single new player at least that's what we're told, and said basically the same thing. And they did show us that montage of her saying, let's have an open dialogue, let's have an open dialogue, let's have an open dialogue. And particularly Victoria was very cautious of that. And I think Victoria showed that she is an astute player, even only six days into the season, that she's not going to be fooled by a return player going up to her like that. I think currently, out of the four returning players, Aubrey is most likely the one to go home if she does go to tribal what a what a flip from episode one her chances to me went went down so episode two comes out literally right off the bat we see aubrey executing the whitest most weird dance moves in the history of survivor and there have been some weird ones that was absolutely horrifying and then you have aubrey literally just It was so bad. She was just like, I hate Survivor Kumbaya. She and was. You could tell. You could she tell could she t- hated it. Was oozing. It. Hatred was just oozing out of her 
pores of her body. So it made for just an extremely awkward, awkward moment. It seemed like everybody else was having a good time. I'm just watching it just like cringe fest. I think that even she was self-aware enough to know that it was cringy. I think at one moment she looked directly into the camera <laughs> and while she was shaking her knees back and forth oh and just knew, gosh. oh man, this is oh going to look gosh. absolutely ridiculous. That was the low moment of the so, of, of Aubrey's survivor so, career. Yes, yeah, so we see, we see Aubrey trying to blend in, doing a terrible job. So then she gets this idea that she wants to pitch to... Victoria, Julia, Gavin, and Ron, individually, she wants to pitch this idea that, you know, I want to have an open dialogue, right? I, I feel great with you. I think we play the same game. I think we play the same game. I think you're cool. Uh, you remind me of me a lot. She says the exact same things to each and every one of these survivors. So I think she's doing two things. I actually three. Now that I've heard your point about information, I think that's that's. I mean, that's ultimately what you have an alliance for. So that someone comes to you and says, "Hey, you're on the chopping block tonight." So. But what I think she really wants, she really wants to establish a single really strong connection. And you see David do that really well this season. You see Wentworth do that really well this season. She's trying to find an ally. And here's the thing, Aubrey, not charming. And so she's using the same pitch to, to four different people to try to build a connection. And none of them are, you know, either she picked the wrong people or she should have just focused on one really honestly i think she would have been a lot better off but uh they, they of course all get together and hash it out with each other comes out just her looking just terrible to all these survivors so i think i agree with you her odds of winning at this point are much much lower now the thing that i keep having to remind myself of is that this isn't a normal game of survivor where if she's voted off she goes home if she's voted off she just goes and joins reem and possibly keith on the edge of extinction and i don't know what happens it's possible that this won't be the last we see of her if if she does get voted off but we'll have to see so the other thing that i think she's doing is she's trying to get a, a larger alliance together but I, I think she's just doing it the completely wrong way she needed to if she was going to get a majority alliance together she needed to talk to them in a group kind of like what wentworth did you know if she's going to be the one to initiate it then be like wentworth come out guns blazing don't pretend like feed everyone the same story this early on i mean they just basically bonded over how much they dislike her and that's really not what you want at the beginning of the game I agree. I think that if Aubrey's going to succeed, she has to learn to be content being a pawn in someone else's game rather than being yeah. the one moving the chess pieces. Exactly. And I don't think she's been in that role for a long, long time. In her second season, it was all return players, and she was one of the other return players. She wasn't one of four. She was one of 18 return players, and that puts a lot of other people around you that are bigger threats than you because the only other threat on her tribe as perceived by the newcomers is joe she's the first one on the chopping block already and after this instance i think it's far worse don't count her out yet the tribe is currently in a kumbaya phase which means nobody's really thinking about actually voting anybody off at this point and they might not even have to do that for a few more episodes and anything can happen between now and then i think she made a big misstep here that will follow her for the rest of the game it will help define the game that she's played so far if the tribe can get some infighting going, if there's some chaos introduced, okay, they start thinking about Joe as the bigger threat. If she can just hold on, I think, for the next three or four tribals, she'll be in really good shape. Well, and of course, if she does hold on for 
one or two even more tribals, there's a pretty good likelihood that there will be a tribe switch, if not to a two, but to a three. The last time that they didn't have at least three tribes at one point in the season was all the way back in season 29. So the likelihood says that pretty soon here we're going to switch to three tribes and that puts her into a thinner situation if she's lucky enough to be paired with one or even two of the other return players she's instantly better off so we did see lauren on the manu tribe find a hidden immunity idol which adds another dimension to her alliance with wentworth and hopefully gives them a little bit of protection everybody was looking for it wentworth called for basically an open search for the immunity idol it's just just i mean i'm just shocked at how upfront and outright Wentworth is about all this stuff. Um, but everyone seems to be on board. Everyone's cool with it. Of course, Lauren goes out and does something that I think shows a lot of maturity and a lot of strategic smarts. I was very impressed with the way that she found the idol. She freaked out like everyone does, understandable. And then she kept it to herself. I mean, gosh, so many times I've yelled at my TV screen, don't tell anybody, don't give it to anybody, just keep it for yourself for the moment when you think that you are leaving. Don't use it on someone else, use it on yourself, save yourself. I'm even fine with someone using the hidden immunity idol for someone else, but you should not tell them until the moment you're using it. And that's how they're the most powerful. We do meet up with both tribes at the immunity challenge. It's one of the challenges that we've seen Aubrey compete in before, and it's the challenge where they take the giant heavy snake and they have to pull it out of a wooden box Can I say in the water. Love this challenge. Absolutely love this challenge. It's a unique blend. The only thing it doesn't really have is more of the puzzle side of things. But in terms of a physical challenge, you've got swimming, you've got climbing, you've got strength, and then you've got dexterity and coordination with the throw. I feel like this is kind of the mother of physical challenges outside of the ones where you're actually like contacting the other team. I I really like the more physical challenges myself. I do think this was a good challenge. It's definitely more of a early survivor season physical challenge. It was fairly close, but it seems to me that Manu just can't close on these wins. So it really came down to the ring toss at the end. The Kama tribe utilized a group of players that all succeeded in tossing rings. The flip side of that is that the Manu tribe only had Chris that was able to get any. Consequently, the Kama tribe won after they succeeded in getting all eight rings. Manu tribe only had four at that time. So I think it was close until the end. I think the main storyline, obviously, though, to the challenge was Keith. Keith cannot swim. He still cannot swim. He tried to learn, I guess, in episode one, but didn't really take... There's no surprise whatsoever. Chris really helped him out. He was literally pushing him through the water, pushing him over the the gate so he could get in. Why do you think like he, he stepped up to the plate to help toss the rings? I really don't know why he did that. It looked like early in the challenge, he had lost all of his drive. If you remember back to when he had finally swam out to the wooden structure where the snake was, they couldn't start untying the knots on the snake until all of their players were within the structure. And he was the last one and he was sitting on top. And I remember Chris going, go, go. And he was just sitting, looking at the water. And I think he might even be a little afraid. And finally he just kind of flops into the water and then they were able to begin untying. I think he maybe was trying to redeem himself, but here's the thing. Keith is 19. 
He doesn't seem to be that mature. I think he's in over his head a little bit, and I think he bit off more than he could chew in that moment. I think that Chris didn't want to seem like the guy who didn't want to yield when he wasn't hitting all of his rings. So he defers, and then Keith is just unable to deliver. Yeah, I, I think the key in Survivor is knowing yourself. Again, kind of going back to perception. What I feel like Keith should have done is not sit out necessarily, but when you don't have to participate and you're bad at it, don't. Don't try to go for that redemptive moment because guess what happens? Exactly what happened. He screwed up on the biggest stage and everyone knew he was going home at that point. Like there was no question. Coming from someone who is not good at sports, I think sometimes you just have to recognize you're not good at something and then go into damage control mode and try to put yourself in a position to where you have the least negative impact. There's two ways to play it. Do what Keith did and hope that you succeed and redeem yourself or play it a little smarter. Say, hey, I can't do this. I'm not good at this. fast forward to the Manu tribe being back at camp and we quickly realize that it's framed between War Dog going after Keith and David and Rick and some others going after Kelly. I thought that was a fascinating way that we quickly accepted the way that War Dog wanted the vote and then as soon as he was gone we had some people talking about going for Kelly. And here's where I get a little frustrated with Survivor. I love Survivor and I love their tricksy ways with their editing, but they absolutely had everyone watching that show believe that Wentworth was going home. Every conversation that was had, the whole way that it played out from one conversation to the next, it was like the conclusion was that Wentworth was going to be the blind side. And then next thing you know, there's one vote for Wentworth. One. One measly vote. From Wendy, who was clearly outside of the loop. I had no idea what was going on. That's frustrating because they. I feel like they led us up to this big dramatic thing. And then the most boring thing in the world happens, which is they vote off the weakest player, which I understand them doing. It's just like, why go through all this turmoil of getting these votes against Wentworth? They had, they had the votes, I thought. They had plenty. It just seemed like everyone got... I guess gun shy. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what happened. What do you think happened, Caleb? It seemed to me that Wardog definitely wanted Keith gone, but then Keith swears his alliance to Chris. Keith and Chris have somewhat of a close relationship at this point because Chris was helping him through the challenge so much. After this happened, Chris said he wanted to protect Keith. Chris and Rick float keeping Keith to David, and David says that sounds good, and they all want to go for Wentworth instead. At this point, we have Rick. Chris, Keith, Wendy, and David potentially as a five out of eight vote for Kelly. I think they had that locked up. The only people who weren't in on the vote at that point would have been Wentworth, Lauren, and Wardog. The one mistake I think that they made is that Chris then went to Wardog War for no yes. reason appears, to try to get a sixth vote. The only thing I can think of as to why he would have gone to Wardog to try to get his approval is that he felt some allegiance to him yeah. and didn't want to rock the boat too much against one of the most direct 
players in terms of strategy. He says who he wants to vote for very quickly after it becomes a point of discussion. And then if you're that person, chances are you are going to get voted out because he said Reem and then he said Keith and he's two for two. So I think Chris was just trying not to cross him there. I was taking notes during the episode. I wrote down Chris tells Wardog huge mistake. They didn't need his numbers. But then as it kind of progressed from there, I started to come around to the idea, okay, he doesn't want to make enemies. Already, he feels like this was his idea. He wants to make sure that Wardog does not think that Chris is out to get him. He wants there to be, still be some semblance of an alliance, even though Wentworth would be gone. They had the opportunity to have a 6-2 to two vote on Tribal Council, which anytime you can get some type of unity early in the game, I think it will make the Manu tribe stronger as a whole. This means that all of the players that are left on Manu, save Wendy, voted for Keith to go home. And that at least gives them some commonality. Even players that are having some type of shadow war like David and Wentworth have been on the same page on the last two votes. I think that gives them unity going into future immunity challenges. Question, did Keith vote for Wendy? He did. Why? I think that both Wendy and Keith were deliberately kept completely in the dark because they didn't want to tell them that they were voting for Wentworth because Wentworth doesn't want her name out there, right? And I think they told Wendy nothing. I think Wendy was told absolutely nothing, which resulted in her voting for Kelly herself because that's who she wanted to vote for all along. If Keith had voted for Wentworth, I think my outlook on Keith would be completely different. But at this point, it doesn't look like he came to play. It's a shame because he seems like a smart enough guy. He is not engaging in the strategic talks. He's not engaging in the challenges. It looks like he has tremendous upside. I mean, he's a likable guy. He's plenty charming. I don't know what it is with him. Just freaking play the game. I think he could be a real, real threat. Of course, there's still more to be seen. I think he's going to head to the edge of extinction. I don't think he's going to turn it down. He's weighing the decision because it was thrown at him. He had already been dealing with the fact that he was going home. He was upset. And then he saw that he might stay in the game. But I think it's obvious that he's going to stay. He's going to grab the torch. I don't think that Survivor would leave a cliffhanger like that and then have him leave. When blindsides that are worked up into this big deal honestly they're they're blindsiding us that's what they're doing survivors blindsiding us because they made us think Wentworth is going home with all their fancy editing i'm totally okay when they create some ambiguity and they say which person is it going to be is it going to be kelly wentworth or is it going to be keith who knows let's find out tonight at tribal and then we tune in and we watch and we find out which one it is i'm completely fine with that because it gives us some knowledge into each one but what we weren't shown was the discussion where a certain group of players got together after targeting Wentworth and then decided to go back and get Keith. Six of them. They did it in some sort of a group setting. Maybe the two groups of three talked together, but they didn't show us that. Right. They must have had at least one person from each group of three discuss, and they all got on the same page and said, it's Keith. And maybe maybe it was not good for TV. Maybe they said something in some way that was just like, oh, this is boring. We're not going to throw this in there because it totally spoils the surprise. That's the only thing I would forgive them for. And of course, there's no way of knowing. But still, okay, yeah, you screwed us. <laughs> you made all of us feel dumb. Was that the plan all along? I don't know. 
you know, as someone who's trying to like really get myself into the like the mood and really put myself in that situation and weigh the different ideas and even the way that they talk during tribal made it sound like for sure, okay, it's going to be a blindside. David literally said that. I thought he was signaling to everybody that we're down. It's we're good to go. Everyone vote for Wentworth. That's what I thought was happening. I thought it was so dramatic. Wow, that's awesome. I think the reason why it was so disappointing isn't that they showed us something and then changed it. It's that they teased us with a great early on amateur driven blindside because David was was bought in. David was bought in, but he wasn't the person that originated the idea. It was Keith and Chris that originated the idea of going for Wentworth. And had that actually happened, I think they all could have checked off that the blind side of a return player off their to-do off their, list. Off their bucket list, right? Yeah, and their- instead they just blindsided the most naive player in the game, the 19-year-old yeah. who can't swim. Round of applause, everyone. And Good job. You, yeah. you tricked the least mature person there. The next thing that I think it's important to talk about after the tribal is the clear and distinctive alliance lines that are in the Manu tribe. If you look at the votes in the first and second tribals, you have two distinct alliances of three people each. The alliances are Chris, David, and Rick, who all voted for Reem and then Keith. And then the second alliance is Kelly, Lauren, and Wardog, who all voted for Wendy and then for Keith. This presents an interesting dimension of the game when we're down to seven players because you have two alliances of three and we have Wendy in the middle. I think this immediately gives the upper hand to David's alliance because he'll be able to turn to her against Wentworth without any real difficulty. And then it'll be a 4-3 vote if they lose another immunity challenge. But it goes back to something that Keith, I think, brilliantly said in Tribal. I mean, it was just like a flash of brilliance. But he said numbers or strength is not all that matters because when the merge comes, loyalty matters. If this is true with the tribal divide, then you really have two tribes of three, potentially one tribe of four with Wendy. And what do the numbers matter? I mean, it almost seems like if you're David at this point, you almost want to lose so you can vote off Wentworth next. Keith had such a good point. It doesn't really matter necessarily that you lose as long as you have a a good grip on the majority in your tribe. I think that Wentworth knew that going into tribal. I think she went along because she's trying to let Wardog run things. Both David and Kelly seem to be allowing other people in their alliances to kind of call the shots, and they're happy with that at the given moment. Kelly seemed to know that Wendy was always going to be against her, and if the numbers were to shift in a way to where that gave her side the edge, she would be one of the first people targeted. I think that Wentworth will be the first person to be voted out over David, and I think that David is in a great position out of the four returning players because he's perceived to be the least threatening, and naturally then, I think he's going to go the farthest. So you ready for a hot take? Yeah, give me the hot take. On the Kama tribe, I think that the last survivor standing on the Kama tribe is going to be Victoria. And the reason I think that is besides Aubrey and Joe, who are obvious threats and in a semi-alliance, the person calling the shots is Victoria. She's plenty smart and people are going to freaking overlook her. They already have been, but I just saw a few flashes of true brilliance from her, strategically speaking. That's my take. 
She is 23, so I think a lot of people look at her as she's not threatening. One thing I did want to talk about before we move too far forward is that, coincidentally, the two people that have been voted off already were first Reem, who's 46, and then tied for the oldest player in the game, and then Keith, who's 19, who is the youngest player in the game. So we had some age discrimination. <laughs> age discrimination. Oh, definitely. Just on both Egregious. sides. How dare they? Now that Keith is gone, I do think that we have to ask ourselves, will Manu be a lean and mean enough tribe to start winning some immunity challenges? Will they be faster in the water? Obviously, yes. Will they no longer be bogged down by someone who feels like they have to prove themselves? No, they will not be bogged down that way. Do they have enough to defeat Mighty Joe? I don't think so. I still don't see anyone on uh, the Manu tribe matching up with Joe. As long as... But here's the thing, too. We don't know what the challenges are going to be. One thing we know about Survivor is if it seems like one tribe has a significant weight advantage or physical advantage, then Jeff and the production team have no problems mixing up the challenges, making it a little more brainy. I think Manu will be capable of winning, but I still don't think that they can match with the Kamal tribe's physicality. We have no reason to think that Manu is going to now all of a sudden sans keith be able to beat them i don't think though that this will be enough like you said joe is just too good and i don't think there's a obvious weak player on the kama tribe i think that they are the least flawed tribe and i think that's why that gives you a very good advantage thanks so much for listening please subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you find your podcasts leave a review on apple Podcasts. you can also reach out to us on twitter at tribal talk pod be sure to tune in next week yep thanks guys 